We know that we are human beings with an eternal soul in the womb. When does that start? Well, the only time that we can find a place of starting is at conception. So that's when life begins. And anytime you end a life after conception, intentionally, you have committed murder. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. You're listening to In Grace. And yes, we're talking about abortion and a bunch of other things today because I'm answering Bible questions that people like you have submitted to us. The first question that I'll get into today, and you already heard it in the opening quote, what does the Bible say about birth control? Is using birth control the same as abortion? And we'll go into the nuances of that exactly. What are we talking about with birth control? And another one is, uh, there's a a Christian friend that says that you can't be pro-life and for the death penalty and and pro-death penalty. And I'll explain why you can and why I am. Uh, But we're going to talk about when does life begin and the ramifications of that. We live in a culture that uh, people seem to be shouting, a woman can do anything she wants to do. It's her body. But then we tell the woman that she shouldn't be drinking or using meth when she's pregnant. Well, you can't have it both ways. Either, Either it's her own body or it's not. It's wrong, by the way, for a woman to damage that unborn baby by a narcotic or by a, a substance, just as it is wrong to intentionally take the life of that child. Protecting the innocent is the key here. So we're going to talk about these and other Bible questions. I'm thankful that we have the scriptures that we can answer these important questions. Hey, listen, right before we get into these questions, let me remind you that In Grace is not only a radio program and a podcast. If you don't get our podcast, you can find our podcast on any of the podcast outlets, or I would say almost any. I think almost all of them have In Grace. And uh, we also have a television program. So you can find us on Wednesday nights on TBN, the largest television network in the world, or You can find us anytime for free on YouTube. We have a really great channel and Roku. On our YouTube channel, if you would subscribe, that would help us out, get alerts. And if you would also like the videos, when you do that, more people will be able to see in grace and hear the gospel. So we would love for you to come on our adventures through television. The next question, what does the Bible have to say about birth control? Is using birth control the same as abortion? Some teach that birth control is wrong. I don't hold to that. I don't find that in Scripture. I believe that actually in the Bible, you actually can find forms of planning or birth control. Not exactly what we have today, but I don't think it's wrong. You say, well, it's part of procreation. So God wants us to fill up the earth and subdue the earth and all of that. And there's Bible verses about your quiver being full of arrows, like full of children and all of that. Well, some of your quivers are very small. You want one, you want two, you want 10, you want 17 and counting, whatever. You know, that's between you and God. Uh, Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you can have kids. That's fine too. Maybe you're not married and that's fine too. How do we know that that's fine? Because Paul wasn't married. If someone doesn't have to be married and can still be godly, Well, obviously, you're not going to have children. So planning out your family is not wrong. It's between you and God, you and your spouse and God, and that's fine. I can't find it anywhere in the Bible where birth control is wrong. Um, But I do believe abortion is wrong. 
And the Bible in Jeremiah tells us that we were formed in the belly. Uh, Before that, he knew us. Before we came out of the womb. So we know that we are human beings with an eternal soul in the womb. When does that start? Well, the only time that we can find a place of starting is at conception. So that's when life begins. And anytime you end a life after conception, intentionally you have committed murder. Plain and simple. Don't argue that. It's clearly in the Bible. Okay. Now, there are a couple pills. One is an actual abortion pill. It's marketed as Mifprex in the United States. It's RU486 in Europe. And that is used to abort a baby after the first seven weeks. You know what's really crazy about that pill is it was made from a company that was a subsidiary of a company that made the gas for the Nazis in the Holocaust. They make that pill. It's a subsidiary of that company that made the gas for the gas chambers. So obviously we would all say that that's wrong. But then there's another pill called the morning after pill. I was getting a COVID antibody test and I saw it on the back of the pharmacy and it's called plan B. And usually it's taken to avoid a pregnancy before conception as a contraceptive, but it also, as I researched it, can serve as an abortifacient. So therefore anything that can serve as as an abortifacient would be wrong. So hopefully that answers that question but that's up to you. I don't find it wrong to plan. Like if you're a farmer, let's say you want to farm an acre, farm an acre. If you want to farm 10,000 acres, farm 10,000 acres, but that's your choice. For some of you, an acre is plenty, okay? So that's all up to you, and I might get some letters on that, but I don't really care. So if you, if you send me a letter, show me some Bible verses, and don't send me quiverful, okay? The next question, I have a Christian friend who says you can't be pro-life and be against the death penalty. They also say you can't be against the Affordable Care, I'm guessing that's the law, the Health Care Act, because people die who can't afford medications and medical help that could save their life. She told of Christian friends whose child died because they could not afford a health plan that would have saved the life or given the surgery to this child. Now let me first make a quick comment on the Affordable Care Act. I don't personally believe that the government is good at running things. That's just my opinion. I don't think the government's good at running things. I don't like the idea of the government running healthcare. So I would oppose the government running socialized medicine. I think that we have a great level of medicine. You say, well, what about those people that can't afford it? Well, there's hospitals that will actually write off. If you can't afford it, you can show proof of that. We've had some of our staff and members do that. You have a big, huge bill, submit to the hospital, ask for that to be written off, and often they will. And if they don't, there are other organizations that can help you and will help you. I think that's the way to go. Go with private organizations or Christians that want to help and provide those things that people can't afford. So that's just my opinion on that. Uh, but what about being pro-life and, again, and, and pro-death penalty? Is that a contradiction? I want to be pro-life, in other words, anti-abortion, but also I am pro-death penalty. Well, let's first read, what does the Bible say? Genesis 9, 6 says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. This is right as Noah's getting off the ark. God is establishing another dispensation, human government, and God is giving the government the responsibility to put to death anyone who has premeditatively taken a life. So it's actually the same as being pro-life, anti-abortion, because we're against people taking innocent life. 
The life of that child is as innocent as you can get. And someone that murders someone else, that person has taken a life. And that is wrong. And according to the Bible, that person should be put to death. He said, well, I can't, I can't stomach that. Well, they did something heinous. They did something terrible. And this is God's remedy. How will this solve it? Well, that person won't be committing murder again, right? You say, well, let's just lock them up in jail. Do you know in jail, they can still murder people, guards and other inmates. It happens all the time. You say, well, it doesn't really deter anybody. Well, the reason it doesn't deter anybody because we have years and years of appeals. What has to happen is a quick process. I'm not against appeals. Believe me, I think we should get it right. But appeals should be quick and the person should be executed quickly. Now, I know that sounds contrary, but it's really not. We're protecting innocent people, okay? It's a solid position and I think a Christian should have both of those. But if you're against the death penalty, I'm not gonna argue with you about it, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and I think it's a clear point of Scripture. Are you ready for an adventure like no other? Dive into a world of discovery within Grace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. Immerse yourself in the awe-inspiring beauty of the Grand Canyon and uncover the captivating evidence of Noah's flood. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. Simply call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Ken Ham and Ark of Noah, which explores the geological evidence that supports the Bible. For your gift of $100 or more, you can enjoy our entire Creation Series bundle, including eight sensational video series. Call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. That's 800-78-GRACE ingraceradio.com or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. The next question, why do 2 Samuel 24.1 and 1 Chronicles 21.1 seem to contradict each other? Was the census that resulted in 70,000 men dying by David, God's will or Satan's? This is a really good question, and there's actually two passages referring to the same event. 2 Samuel 24, 1 says, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. So in this passage, it's saying God is motivating David to go do this census, which we find out is a sinful act. And then 1 Chronicles 21.1, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. So who was it? Was it Satan or was it God? Let's get to that in a second. Let me first tell you, during the time of this episode, God was not happy with Israel. They had security, they had prosperity. David was doing a great job uh, providing protection against the enemies and prosperity among the people. You know, there's a problem with security and prosperity. It leads to sensuality, and pride. It does. It happens all the time. It happened to Israel. It happens to America. That's why I'm not so against a global pandemic because it brings us back to saying, I need to trust the Lord. As people and as a nation, when things are bad, we're going to seek after God. When things are good and things are secure and things are prosperous, our pride elevates. In Israel, they were actually, in this good time, the people actually were joining in rebellion against David, God's person of the day. 
And they actually did this twice. So God was not pleased with Israel at this time. That's important to understand. Now, was the census itself wrong? I don't think it was. In this case, it was, but a census wasn't wrong. It was to number the people, to know the strength of the nation. Moses had a census at the beginning and at the end of his leadership. So we know that that wasn't wrong. It wasn't the census. What was wrong about it? Well, David took the census because he was delighting in his own might. Okay? And whenever you do that, you're not delighting in the Lord. In other words, you're delighting in numbers. You're delighting in your retirement account, your bank account. You're delighting in how many miles you can run. You're delighting in how much weight you can lift. You're delighting in statistics and mathematics and numbers or things that aren't God. And there's a real danger to that. He was trusting numbers instead of trusting the Lord. And the Lord tells us how wrong that is in Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. These are warnings. This is applicable to you, to us today. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the things of God. Not in riches. Not in wisdom. Not in might. And David was delighting in the wrong things. And his sin causes the death of 70,000 people. Isn't that sad? Now back to the question. Was it God or the devil? Because in one passage, it seems like God was the one that tempted David to do this. and the other one, it was clearly Satan. Well, let me tell you this. James 1.13 says that God doesn't tempt us. Okay, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So it's not God. Who does that leave? Satan. Satan. So you say, well, why does it imply that God did this? Well, here's the truth. There's an example in Job. Actually, the whole story of Job is about Satan bringing problems upon Job, right? Destroying his life, his health, all of these things. But God permitted it, right? So God didn't do it, but God allowed it. And I think that's the same exact thing here. God was upset with Israel. They needed to have a wake-up call. So God allowed Satan to implant a thought or to push David in a certain direction. You still have a will. It's not Satan's fault. It's your fault when you sin. But Satan has a way of inciting, you know, saying a few things, or in our mind, we hear a few things, or he allows someone to come into our life to give us the wrong advice, whatever it is, and God takes his protection off and allows Satan to have his way. That can happen to you in our life today. Be careful of this. But the Bible clearly teaches that God doesn't tempt, so therefore, this was Satan tempting David. And don't commit this sin, the sin of pride, the sin of relying on our own might. Here's the question. There are verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about fasting. We don't hear much on fasting, and I'm wondering how it applies to the New Testament Christian. Let me just tell you this. The person that asked this question is obviously someone that attends this church, and they said we don't hear much on fasting. At Quint Road, we have a way of teaching the Bible, and it's called expository. So we preach throughout a passage. We preach an entire book. We do this often. 
We've actually always done this. At one of our main services in the week, we're preaching verse by verse. So when we come to fasting, obviously we're teaching on it. Uh, so why aren't we teaching more on it? Because it's not, it's not prolific in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's not in the epistles anywhere. Okay, so if we're preaching through any of the epistles, any of the letters to the churches, it's not in it. It's in Acts a few times. Jesus fasted. Obviously, we find one time Jesus fasting, and then there's teaching about fasting in uh, Jesus' teaching. But it was more of an Old Testament principle. It was actually commanded once a year for everyone to fast during the Day of Atonement. So, and fasting, by the way, there's different fasts. Daniel fasted from certain foods in Daniel 1, but in Daniel 10, he fasted from all food. So fasting isn't always just about food. They would not have marital relations in Corinthians, and that was so they could focus on God. So fast, you're stopping something so that you can focus on the Lord. You know, today there's all these fads. You know, if you're a Christian, you're, you're getting sucked into all these different fads, whatever it is. And it could be, well, I'm not even going to get into all the fad, but, you know, you hear things like the Daniel diet or, you know, whatever, all these crazy things. I'll tell you one thing. If you're fast and it's because you're trying to lose weight, you're not fasting biblically, okay? It's not about losing weight. It certainly probably would help for us to fast a little bit. But fasting is about a serious time when you're imploring God for something, and it always is tied with prayer, okay? Now, if you fast, I don't think it's wrong to fast. I think it's a good thing, and I think it's okay to fast. But you have to do it biblically. How long should a fast last? Jesus fasted 40 days. Let me see you do that. So what was Jesus teaching on fasting? Look at Matthew 6, and then we'll close. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto man to fast. I just love the way Jesus would just say it, you know? These people that would give money and they'd make all the noise and pomp and, and circumstance so everyone could see how much they gave. Or they pray and they pray so pompously and piously and so everyone could hear their flowery, the, wow, they must be really spiritual. And then when it comes to fasting, they, you know, distort their face and, and just act so everybody knows I'm fasting. What does Jesus say about it? Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, verse 17, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, wash thy face, thou, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So a fast is something that's private. It's something between you and God. It's something that we don't call to a fast. In this church, we don't say, we are going to fast these number of days. And some churches do that. I don't know that they're wrong, but I don't find that scriptural. But I think fasting is something that you can do to show your sincerity to God. Uh, I kind of find it funny. Some fasts, for some religions, is you just don't eat during the day. And then the sun sets and you gorge. Like, this. is that a fast? Is that really a fast? Or you give up meat for 40 days. That's where Lent came from. That's not biblical. And then they party like, you know, they're wicked and debaucherous people the other times. No, that's not godly. That's not biblical. That's not walking in the new nature. The new nature is I want to commune with the Lord. He's going to help me. Maybe there's something serious I really need to show my sincerity to God. And fasting can come into that. But make sure it's a private thing. And that's the biblical teaching in the New Testament for Christians Nowhere does the Bible command a Christian to fast. And so hopefully that answers 
your questions. The more we talk about the scriptures, and I love it. I really enjoy getting into these things. I think it's so awesome. But the biggest question I have for you is this. If you died today, where would you go? Well, the Bible says that you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven by simple faith in Jesus Christ. We've already explained it a little bit. Let me explain it this way. The Bible says all of us have sinned. You and me have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And the news gets worse. The wages of sin is death. That's hell. Jesus had no sin. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus is God. He came to this earth. He never sinned. He died on a cross for sin, for your sin, and he paid for your sins. And the Bible says if you, not your family, not your, your country, but if you will put your faith in him, you will be born again. And that will get you to heaven, and it also will help you in this life to be able to do those things which are pleasing to God. Have you received that gift? The Bible says it's not of works. It's a gift for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Say the next words, not of works. You could be in church every service and you can still be lost. It's not about church attendance. It's not about water baptism. It's not about giving to church or to charity. Good things to do. None of that will save you. Salvation is free. It's a gift. Just put your faith in Jesus who died for you and rose again. And if you'll do that, the Bible gives you the guarantee of everlasting life. And then it gives you a lot of other things, some promises that are incredible. He won't forsake you, won't leave you. He will be there for you. He's that shepherd that will carry you, provide and protect for you. And then he guarantees you eternal life. What's the guarantee of that? The Spirit of God indwelling us, sealing us into the day of redemption. But it all starts at simple faith for salvation. If you haven't yet received Jesus Christ by faith, say something like this. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but right now, Lord, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins on a cross and rose again. And that simple childlike faith, you do that one time, you're saved. You have eternal life. You have the Spirit of God. You are sealed. And that's the greatest news in the entire world. If you have questions about that, please contact us on our website, ingraceradio.com, or calling us during business hours, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave us a voicemail, and we'll get back to you. And then a lot of you have been saying, hey, how do I get that grand rafting adventure you've been talking about? Well, all you have to do is call us or go to our website, or you can write to us and make a gift of any amount. Now, some of you can only do $5. That's fine. Whatever God is putting on your heart to do, I'll just tell you this. We are very careful with money. We're part of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. We have a board that oversees it. We're very, very careful. Um, Your money goes so far through in grace. Hardly anything is administration. So if you want to see more people hear the gospel through our many ministries and you get this wonderful thank you, the Grand Rafting Adventure video series, then uh, make that gift and we'll send it to you. That video, by the way, is a four-part series featuring an amazing trip down the Grand Canyon, whitewater rafting, sleeping under the stars. We have a PhD geologist. We have a PhD astronomer with us and a wonderful family that you're going to hear an amazing, powerful testimony and learn that 
the Grand Canyon is proof of Noah's flood, not millions of years. If your gift is $35 or more, I'll send you two more video adventures. Uh, one is about the Ark of Noah, more than a story. The other one is a tour of Noah's Ark, the full-size Ark in Kentucky. And then we've got the bundle. We've got the creation bundle, eight of our most popular videos, and we're going to send it as a thank you for your gift of $100 or more. Whatever that amount is, thank you, because that means that you believe in InGrace. You believe making an investment in Grace will make a difference in people's lives. And that's the important thing, right? That we're doing something to share the good news of eternal life. So I would love to hear from you today. Dive into a world of discovery with InGrace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two more video series about Noah's Flood, or get the entire eight-series creation bundle for $100. Call 800-78-GRACE, visit ingraceradio.com, or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.